0: Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast, followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, Chapter 6, To the Dark Holes, The Dream Realized. I go of my own free choice with the blessing of obedience, Mother Teresa section 1, for the glory of his name. With the Archbishop's consent, Mother Teresa was now free to take the next step toward fulfilling the call. Following the norms of the Church, she needed permission from her Loretto Superior General, Mother Gertrude Kennedy, to seek authorization from the Pope to leave Loretto and begin her new mission. In her petition to Mother Gertrude, written just four days after receiving the Archbishop's blessing, she made no mention of the locutions and visions, but presented a synopsis of her new call, emphasizing the spiritual aim of the future congregation. Loretto Convent, Ently, January tenth, 1948 My Dearest Mother General the matter of this letter is very sacred to me. Therefore, I beg you to keep the content of it a secret. I shall send Mother Provincial a copy of this letter, in case you desire to communicate with her on this matter. Otherwise, I do not desire that any other nun should know of this. In September 1946, I went to Darjeeling for a holiday, and there also I made my eight days retreat. On my return to Calcutta, I informed my spiritual father of the following. That God wants me to give myself completely to him in absolute poverty. To identify myself with the Indian girls in their lives of self-sacrifice and immolation. By tending the poor in the slums, the sick, the dying, the beggars in their dirty holes, and the little street children. In a word to give myself without any reserve to God in the
1: poor of the slums and the streets. The spiritual father put me off. Though he
0: saw that it was from God, still he forbade me even to think about it. Often, very often, during the four months I asked him to let me speak to his grace, but each time he refused. Until the 8th of January, 1947, when he gave me permission to put the whole matter before His Grace. I did so in detail. His Grace kept it for a whole year. He prayed much to see the will of God. On January 6th, 1948, he came to say Mass here, and after which he told me, You may go ahead.
1: He allowed me to write to you and tell you of the call. Now, dear Mother General,
0: I desire to work out the plan in the best way for the glory of his name. I turn to you to help me to fulfill his holy will in my regard. I want to leave Loreto as soon as it is possible for the sacred congregation to grant me the annulment of my vows and the indult of secularization, by which act I desire to be made free to live the life of an Indian in India and do the work in the slums. I ask your permission to let me apply to the sacred congregation to be freed from my vows. I entered Loretto in October 1928 and took my final vows, May 1937. Dear Mother General, I am sure that it is God's holy will for me to go and do the work. Why did he call me, me the most unworthy and sinful, one so full of weakness, of misery and sin? I do not know. There is nothing I can answer, but that his way is a mystery to me. I have prayed and prayed much over this, looked at it from every corner, and the answer remains the same. To leave all and follow him deeper still, in that life of complete surrender and immolation for him and his poor. I know you will be anxious about me, but please, do not keep me back from the path where he wants me to go. If you were in India, if you saw what I have seen for so many years, your heart too would long to make our Lord better known to the poor who suffer most terrible sufferings and then also eternity in darkness because there are no nuns to give them a helping hand in their own dark holes. Let me go, dear Mother General. I know I am one of your most unworthy children, but I trust you with the gift God has entrusted to me, and I am sure you will help me to do his will. Please do not prevent me from giving myself to him and his poor. I have foreseen many of the hardships and the difficulties which that life will bring me, but I trust the good God blindly, and I know he will not let me down even though I may make a mistake. As
1: I told you before, his grace, the Archbishop of Calcutta, as I told you before, his grace, the Archbishop of Calcutta, knows
0: all, and to prevent any talk, I am sending this letter through him. Pray for me, dear Mother General. Please pray for me and ask the dear old nuns at the Abbey to do the
1: same for me. Your affectionate child in JC, Mother Teresa Boyaksu,
0: in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God are guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost,
1: pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why does Mother Teresa send the letter through the Archbishop of Calcutta?
0: Well, this is very prudent. If her superior general, that is, in Ireland, that is, the nun who's in charge of all the Loretto sisters all over the world, the one who directly reports to Rome, to the Holy See, the Vatican, to the Pope, if she had written to her directly, without any cover letter, without the recommendation of the archbishop the letter would be seen in a certain light by her superiors and that light would be of a little bit of suspicion like what is she saying is it really okay why is she doing this what does it all mean has she lost her mind all kinds of things would go through her head but as soon as the superior general sees that the Archbishop of Calcutta, a man well-known to her order, well-known throughout the world as a man of prudence, when she sees that her letter is known by the Archbishop, approved by the Archbishop, coming with his permission, this suddenly changes the way the superior general reads read the letter.
1: In other words, it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. And it's not just when we say it, it's also in which situation we say it.
0: In other words, the circumstances by which we communicate with other people
1: matter and how we go about things matters. And in this light, it is very interesting that there's something a little bit off-putting about Mother's letter.
0: Now, I hope she doesn't take offense that I'm suggesting this. Mother Teresa, to my mind, is up there with St. Francis of Assisi. I mean, she is one of the, the special, unique saints among the saints.
1: But in this letter, she doesn't one time say, as she later will, that I love my life as a writer nun. I don't want to leave the
0: order. I'm appreciative of what the order has done for me. There's nothing in her letter explicitly about her affection for her order. Now, there is something at the end where she says that the old nuns at the Abbey to pray for me, and that has a little bit of that. So it does have a little bit. But the point is, is that Mother's letter does not kind of smooth the way by appraising or an acknowledging of the good she's received from Loretto.
1: And to my mind, that makes the letter a little bit off-putting. Now, why do I bring this up? Because even a saint is not always free from slight, I don't know, lack of prudence. Or even, you wouldn't even call it a lack of
0: prudence. The saints, they're not free from their environment. They're not free from
1: their own upbringing. Saints are human beings. They're not machines. And so, therefore, even
0: more is it necessary for her to send the letter through the archbishop. Because even if there is something in the letter that the superior general found a little bit off putting, the superior general is going to see deep into the letter,
1: especially because it comes with the approval of the archbishop. So, let us do two things tonight. Let
0: us not fail to do good. Just because we're not perfect. Let us not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. In other words, we can't wait to do something good until we're perfect, or we can't wait to understand something until we have every single foundation, everything in the background figured out. No, we have to go where the Lord sends us, we have to start when it's time to start. And even if Mother Teresa did not have the most perfect letter in the world to her mother superior, that's okay. It didn't have to be. And in fact, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's nothing off-putting about it. Maybe there's something off-putting about the way I'm saying this. And that's fine. The point is, if we try to do some good, we're going to make a mistake here or there. The only way to make no mistakes is to do nothing. And that in itself is a mistake.
1: So that's the first point. Let us not be afraid of making a little error here and there. And the second point, though, is let us try to be very compassionate with each other.
0: Let us create environments in the church where people know they are loved, where people know that they are accepted. And therefore, they will be unafraid to try things. Because if people are so afraid of being rejected, if people think they're always going to be scolded, if people are afraid of the reaction they're going to receive, then it will be hard for them
1: to make efforts at new things. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.